So as Diane has already said, uh, we're starting a new season with a new series of messages. And part of the reason we picked this is because of our desire to create a shared family worship experience. And this was one way for us to provide continuity between what we're offering the children each week and what we're offering the adults. And utilizing some curriculum that that we had on hand that just seemed to cover uh, both groups And as we talk about the Ten Commandments, I'm going to often refer to them as core values for Christ followers because I think that's really what they are. We may not talk about them uh, all that often, but the last time I checked, God has not rescinded them as commands or core values for us as his people. Uh, Jesus, early on in his ministry, in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, spoke to this. Some were suggesting that he'd come to take the people in a different direction. And in Matthew chapter 5, he put it this way. He said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, friends, that tells me that the commands that God gives us, these core values for Christ's followers, are important, and we prosper as we walk under those directives. Interestingly enough, Jesus also addressed these core values or commandments toward the end of his earthly ministry. And this may be a little bit more familiar to us. It gets emphasized a lot. In Matthew chapter 22, the the people are trying to find fault with Jesus. And in verse 34, we read that hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, one group of religious leaders, the Pharisees, another group of religious leaders, got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus continued by saying, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, when I stop to think about those things that Jesus said, this is what we focus on, going back to the Ten Commandments, if you think about it, Jesus' directive on the greatest commandment, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, really covers the first first four of the Ten Commandments. And Jesus' second greatest commandment, love your neighbor, actually covers the last six commandments. So in that brief phrase, Jesus says, that brief exchange, Jesus says, obey the Ten Commandments, if that's your objective, to walk in relationship with God. So what I invite you to do with me is quickly consider what I'm calling today core value number one. 
choosing to put first things first, which is exactly what Diana just emphasized for us a few minutes ago. And it's outlined in verses 1 through 3 of Exodus chapter 20, where Moses first lays out the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, simply says, And God spoke all these words. When considering the Ten Commandments, when considering core values for Christ followers, it is imperative that we never lose sight of the fact that the Bible says they were God's idea, not something any human being dreamed up. And if it's true that they were God's idea, then it stands to reason that it's not up to any human being to decide if or when or whether or not they're still valid. God said it, and he stands by it. Rather than seeing them as restrictive or controlling, what if we were to approach them with the realization that since God created us, no one knows better than he does, no one knows us better than he does, and no one is better equipped to know the things we need to guide us to live in righteousness. That's why he gave them to us. Verse 2 in chapter 20 of Exodus continues, and it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Since the Ten Commandments are God's idea, it is also imperative that we never lose sight of who he is, what he did, and what he continues to do. He is and always will be the Lord our God. Always. Whether we believe in him, whether we walk with him, whether we live somewhere in between, he is the Lord and he is our God. It's up to us what we choose to do with that fact. Also, it's important to understand that he rescued the Israelites, as this passage says, out of slavery in Egypt. But what that means to us is that he also to this very day, works to rescue you and I from slavery to sin and death. The Lord our God looks to rescue us from everything that would destroy us. So that brings us to verse 3, the, the first core value for Christ's follower. Exodus 20 verse 3 simply says, You shall have no other gods before me or besides me. Since the Ten Commandments are laying out God's best plan for his people, it is important to remember what he wants. He wants first place in our hearts, first place in our soul, and first place in our mind. Why? Because he knows us. He knows our capacity to get distracted by self, He knows our capacity to get distracted by stuff to our own detriment. Think back with me to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve literally had everything they needed. There was absolutely nothing for them to worry about. All they had to do was worship God, walk in obedience, and enjoy the abundance of his provision on a daily, continual basis. Everything was great 
until they decided they wanted more. And they chose to put their will in first place rather than keeping God in first place. Friends, God gives us core value number one because he knows that you and I are related to Adam and Eve. And we face that same temptation to put our will in first place, to put our desires in first place instead of keeping him in first place. His desire, uh, contrary to what we sometimes think or the way we act, his desire is not to limit our options, but rather to protect us from ourselves through his call to always put him first. Again, Exodus 20, verse 3, simply says, you shall have no other gods before me or besides me. And as we move toward closing, I just want you to think for a moment. What are you tempted to put first? Self, stuff, money or material things, or personal passions? Perhaps it's a special person, or perhaps it's a a position, a, a level of status or achievement that drives you. What I would have you grapple with is whatever it is you put in first place instead of God, how does it cheat God when you do that? What are you giving up that God deserves in order for you to put something else in first place? But also think about what does it cost you in terms of the depth of your relationship and intimacy with God? What might you need to change to put God back in first place. Now it's tempting for me to start rattling off things that we, that we do that cheat God. It's tempting for me to suggest to you what it costs you. And it's really tempting for me to tell you what I think you should change to put God back into first place. But in reality, I can't answer those questions for you. But what I can do, what I will do, is challenge you to think through those things for yourselves. How am I cheating God out of first place in my life? What am I missing out on because I choose not to keep him in first place? And where might I need to make a change or two to begin to give him the place he deserves? God's best plan for our greatest good for, is for him to be first. Let me say that again. God's best plan for our greatest good is for him to have first place in our lives. Not because he needs it, but because we need it. Would you pray with me? Father, I suspect that um, as we think about the Ten Commandments, and uh, we're tempted to go and, and chase down a rabbit hole about the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots. But Father, today I ask you to help us remember the reason you speak into our lives and give us direction is because you want good for us. And so Father, today I would ask that you would stir in everyone's heart as they listen to these words and help them to, to just be honest with themselves about ways in which they may be cheating you 
out of the rightful place that you should have in our lives. And that you would stir in each individual heart. And help us not to look at others and say, oh, they need to do this. But help us to look in our own hearts and say, God, show me today just one simple thing I could do on the, in the process of restoring you, keeping you, and celebrating you being first. Father, let me strive for the day when it is without question true that I have no other gods before or beside you. We ask this not in our own strength, not out of a sense of guilt, but out of a loving desire to become all you've created us to be. Father, help us to put you first. We ask this in the strength and the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who makes it all possible. In Jesus' name, amen.